What is up, ladies and gents? I'm back with another edition of the Macro Insights Podcast. But I'm doing a very special solo rip. Uh, I was just in New York and Montauk for a wedding this past week. So dealing with scheduling issues and other things like that, uh, I think it was just easier to kind of come to you guys a little bit solo this week and give you a little bit of my thoughts as to what is going on currently in the market and the overall macro environment. I know that I get a lot of people bringing up their opinions and talking you know, left and right about the, what they believe is going on on my Tuesday night spaces at 8 p.m., um, but... I don't think that, you know, people really get to hear a lot of what I, uh, you know, say and, and believe. Of course, I'm not a macro, I would say, expert or anything like that. But I do get a lot of people that come in and bring their opinions as to what is going on in the market. And because of that, you know, I, I get kind of a good just general understanding as to what is going on. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of people don't necessarily know, you know, the ins and outs of, of everything like that. Um so I, I, I'm kind of bringing this and I, and I want it to be a little bit more of, I guess, maybe beginner talk or maybe a little bit on the lower end side, uh, just to kind of bring as to where what I've learned over the this uh, little bit of time I've been doing this podcast and other things, as well as kind of, you know, take a dive into, you know, what I see it going and how the Federal Reserve is uh, reacting to everything and how that could potentially affect markets and all this and that. Uh, so I'll start off, I, I've made like kind of a list of questions that I want to go through and, and discuss. And, and the first one is, what is inflation and why is it bad? So, you know, everybody's kind of talking about inflation these days. And, uh, you know, I, I know people understand inflation, uh, but I don't think that they really understand, I guess, the ins and outs of everything. It's reported as a metric of CPI or Consumer Price Index which is essentially looking at a basket of goods and seeing how much it's increased over a year-to-year -year period or month-to-month, -month, that kind of thing. And so what inflation is, is just str strictly looking at whether it's down to a specific good or service or the overall level of how much prices have increased over the past year, over the past month-to-month. -month. Uh, you know, you can look at it at various different, I guess, time periods. But the reason that inflation is bad is, uh, you know, it is kind of expected. Uh, the Fed uh, generally has a target of about 2% per year to kind of increase. But that also kind of makes it also, you know, give a little pressure that pr productivity needs to increase by 2% every year. So, um, you know, and that's not always the case. Generally speaking, people like to look at, you know, products and services and say, you know, I bought a Big Mac, for example, a year ago at $2 and now it's, you know, $4 or $8 or however much it's gone up. And you're not getting any different of a Big Mac. You're getting the same exact Big Mac. You're getting same exact ingredients, uh, you know, same exact, uh, you know, output and things like that. Only thing that might have changed is that your dollar is now have less spending power or your whatever currency you use. And so right now, the United States dollar is the global reserve currency. And because of that, anytime the dollar loses purchasing power or loses, you know, value, what you can exchange for goods and services, um, you know, whatever you buy and sell in any kind of market with 
any other currency also decreases as well. And so the goal is to try to multiply or gain, uh, you know, earn more money than, uh, than the amount of purchasing power is going down. So it's bad because generally speaking, the rich have a lot of assets, which, you know, the S&P 500 increases by an average of 8%, uh, 8 to 11%, depending on who you ask, um, you know, each year. So if you imagine the overall goal is 2% of inflation, well, the if you just simply invested in the S&P 500, that's a, a four times greater increase per year of your purchasing power of that, you know, of that specific thing. Now, obviously, rich people have or the wealthy have, you know, various assets, whether it's real estate or, you know, something along those lines. And, uh, you know, maybe a business, maybe they entered into a startup business that has uh, the stock value and that company has multiplied significantly more than the S&P 500. You know, a lot of other things, they, they have the more capability to kind of take more risk. Where generally speaking, the middle class and the, the the poor don't really have any of these investable assets. So they're strictly relying on their job to, you know, get uh, that pay increase. And if that pay increase is 3%, maybe their purchasing power goes up by, you know, if they're lucky by 1% each year, but, you know, inflation affects different areas. Uh, and, you know, like you, like we said, the, the CPI does not always reflect how much inflation is because it is a basket of goods. So if you look at, you know, the most recent CPI print, it was 8.2%. So that means in order for, you know, everything to keep up, you know, you need at least an 8.2% increase in your pay from year to year. But granted, you know, in these past months, we've seen an 8.5 CPI print. And so like these increases have become almost exponential. And we're seeing a dollar getting increasingly stronger compared to other fiat currencies uh, throughout the world. And, uh, you know, the access to that capital is getting a little bit more difficult as well. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's just, it's, it's difficult because a lot of these, uh, you know, people that are, that are out here living and uh, trying to go through each and every day to, um, you know, earn more money, save, they just simply cannot keep up with inflation. And so that it's becoming more increasingly difficult. Purchasing power is decreasing. Rent is increasing by drastically more. Um, and so they don't have any of these assets to kind of benefit from some of this inflation. And so that is drastically increasing the wealth gap. And so, you know, how is the Federal Reserve attempting to address inflation? Well, the, the, the lever that they're pulling right now is that raising interest rates. So what raising interest me rates means is essentially at the rate you get money from, you know, banks and other things like that. But the way that banks get money is, you know, that these interest rates are determined by the Federal Reserve and then the Federal Reserve loans out the, those mo that money. Um, so if the Federal Reserve has low interest rates, then banks give out money at a very low interest rate as well. So um, that makes, you know, businesses, a, the ability to get a business loan a lot cheaper. Um, you know, people are generally making more money. Uh, so they're, 
at the end of the day, you know, have the availability to go kind of borrow some money, borrow against that, hedge against some of their assets, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so the Federal Reserve, by raising interest rates, makes the access to capital a little bit more difficult, um, which is kind of, you know, deflating some of that, those asset prices. But the problem is, is that, you know, if you have a house, say, for example, uh, you bought it at 500000 I'm just making it, or maybe 100,000, right? To make the numbers easier. So uh, you bought a house at 100,000. That house went up by 50% in the past couple of years because, you know, we've seen some of these areas just drastically increase, right? So now you have a $150,000 house. Well, you know, you've done nothing really to that house and it's increased by 50%. And now the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. Well, it's dropped from 150 to 140,000 but that interest rate went from you know two and a half three percent to seven percent even with that drop or at the same price even if that house fell below the original purchase price say it dropped all the way from you know 150 to 90,000 see so you got a house that's the same house but 10,000 more borrowed that payment every single month is still going to be drastically more than the, you know, original one with at a hundred thousand with three percent, you know, three uh, percent interest rate. When it's a seven percent interest rate, because if you look at your mortgage, if you're lucky enough to be a homeowner, majority of that payment is, you know, interest, uh, insurance, and and some of these other things. While very little goes to the principal. You know, you're paying off the principal in the United States over a thirty year period. And so by raising these interest rates, they're kind of, you know, decreasing the amount of money that's the the ability to, you know, I guess making it more difficult to to borrow money. And so that is making it a little tough on the American economy. You know, people are losing jobs and that's kind of their overall goal is like a lot of people are working, you know, maybe two jobs or something like that. And so People are getting laid off and not having uh, as many jobs to kind of go home to. They're, they're making it a little bit more difficult to get a job, a little bit more difficult to get a higher paying job as people were kind of just jumping left and right from job to job in this past market and, uh, you know, would leave one job and still go to another one and get a 15% raise, whereas they would stay at the same one and get, you know, a very small raise. Um and so there was being more advantageous to kind of jump from company to company. Well, the Federal Reserve's kind of making that a little bit more difficult. Um, and so some of the negatives are, you know, it's more difficult to borrow money, more difficult to start a business, uh, more difficult in the job market. People are obviously losing a lot of their jobs and everything like that. Um, and the job market isn't quite as strong as people like to make it out for. And in turn, it is uh, like, you know, at the end of the day is the question that I always come across is, is this strictly monetary inflation? And I think, to be honest, the answer is no. Is there other cogs to be pulled? I'm not really sure. You know, that's not really where I've kind of, I I, I guess, learned too much in just yet. Uh, You know, I'm still kind of diving into the whole monetary policy aspect of it. But I think shutting down the global economy 
for, you know, months, years at a time, definitely made it where it is very difficult for these companies to come back to, uh, to pre, you know, if you want to call it pre-pandemic, pre-COVID levels of productivity and production. And so because it's not necessarily a monetary issue, it's a lot of the supply side by raising interest rates, they're making it more difficult. Now, the Federal Reserve is essentially trying to shock the system, raising rates at a rate that has never, ever been seen before. And because they're doing that, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be a big drop off and then they're going to pull back. Now, there's been theories as if they crash the economy, crash the global economy, you know, will there, will they pull back and kind of stop, let the you know, let the foot off the gas a little bit. And I'm not really sure of that answer, to be honest with you. And I don't, and I don't think that they will. I think that at the end of the day, they are making it that the dollar is the strongest of all fiat currencies because right now it's the global reserve currency, having it access to that dollar and making it more difficult. Um, Whereas like other countries aren't doing that. It is making it so that the United States dollar is absolutely crushing all other currencies. We've seen the euro fall behind below $1 for the first time in, in a very long time. We're seeing a lot of things like that uh, kind of occur. And I think, you know, on that note, I, I mean, the, the United States is better off than a lot of these other European countries and a lot of these other countries. But is that necessarily good for the global economy? Because the global economy is so connected at this point. I don't really believe so. But, you know, if you're an American stan and you're kind of, you know, looking for the Americas to, to or the United States of America to kind of pull on and pr- produce a lot more, I think, like, you got to be happy with what, what they're doing at this point. Granted, it is making asset prices uh, decrease a little bit, but we're having weird rallies in the market. Housing is going to be tough right now. Um, and I mean, I think at the end of the day, a lot of these people are still kind of figuring out what uh, what they all want to do with, um, you know, the Federal Reserve and how you're going to attack the market. Now, I believe that these next couple years are going to be pretty tough. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a more of a, I guess, flatlined uh, market over the next couple of years. We see everything kind of going sideways because we saw a drastic run up and a drastic run down pre and post COVID um, and during COVID for that, that matter, I guess we're in the post COVID period right now. But I, th- I think like at this point, we're going to see more of a uh, market that is kind of going to go sideways. Now, will the Federal Reserve print more money, go through QE to, you know, maybe combat some of that? I don't really know. I don't know. Um, you know, the, the thing that I think is going to be interesting is that we're, we're going through a lot of these election, election cycles. So right now we're, we're kind of going through the two year, the, the midterm election cycle in the United States. Um, And in another two years, we'll see because, you know, politicians do whatever they can kind of short-sighted in order to maintain power and um, get votes. And so will they do that and kind of, you know, maybe do some policies like money printing that will artificially inflate asset prices and make, you know, everything a little bit easier on everybody in the short term in order to get votes? 
I don't really know. I mean, I think I wouldn't really put it past politicians at this point. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, politicians are very, I guess, money hungry and trying to figure out what they could possibly, um, you know, what they could possibly do to, to gain power and, and keep those votes and keep the voters happy. And so, you know, I think that there's a lot of things still going on, a lot of question marks uh, for it. And it leaves a lot of question marks for an investors long term. Now, like I said, I see it playing out kind of going sideways for a while. The, I guess the bearish and kind of cynical person in me thinks that we're on the brink of a potential big downward depression. Um, and that's globally. But I think the United States is kind of uh, is positioned itself in a way where it would feel the effects lesser than maybe some of these other countries. Now, what does that mean for investments in the United States? I don't really know because there is a the, the global aspect of the market where I think that you know maybe sales might decrease and some of these other things. Granted, I think that some some sectors are going to be positively affected and some of them are going to be very negatively affected as is what the case in many recessions. So I'll be looking for, you know, a lot of energy stocks, uh, you know, whether oil and gas, I think a lot of the policies that have been put in place previously have kind of made those commodities uh, very advantageous. Now the average person can't just go invest and buy a bottle, a barrel of oil and just hold on to it and sell it later. But, you know, you could also invest in companies that, you know, do that and, and kind of run around oil. So I, I'm very bullish on that going forward because, you know, obviously we've seen what's happened in, in Europe and in Germany specifically where they became extremely reliant on Russian oil and now the sanctions on, uh, you know, with Russia and the Ukrainian war have, uh, have occurred. And, um, you know, Russia's kind of, uh, I guess, pulling the strings when it comes to, to Germany and a lot of uh, Europe when it comes to uh, oil production and other things like that. So I think there's a lot of question marks kind of going forward, which makes for an interesting discussion. But I think the United States is positioned better than most other countries Granted, they should have probably started raising interest rates a while ago after they started printing all this money. But, you know, you can always go back and play Monday morning quarterback. Will they be doing this continually to kind of, uh, you know, make sure that that dollar keeps ripping? I think so. And I think that the, that's at the end of the day, the Federal Reserve is going to be for America at all points in time. So I think that they're doing what's what's best for America, but not necessarily for the global economy. And I think that going forward, the um, continued um, the continued effort of raising interest rates is uh, is going to be something that uh, I'll be on the lookout for. I don't really necessarily see we see a pullback anytime soon. Um, I think, you know, I guess soon is relative, but, uh, I think through the rest of the year, obviously not. Um, and I think through 2023, we won't really see any pullback. I think that they'll start to pull back when it comes to potentially close to that, that election cycle. Um, you know, the next election for, uh, the president of the United States, I think that, you know, president Biden and the democratic party will probably put a little pressure on Powell and that'll cause him to, maybe make some more decisions, but 
you know, that's all speculation at this point. I think that, uh, you know, energy is going to be a big, big, big um, discussion in the next couple of years. And I think a lot of these growth companies that have benefited from a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of easy access to capital are going to be hurting in these next couple of years. So um, obviously not investment advice. I'm not a financial advisor, but the way I'm going to be positioning myself is, you know, going into maybe some of these inflation hedges. Uh, you know, I personally like like Bitcoin and, and other things. And, you know, I obviously have that other podcast and put out some content around there. Um, but, you know, some of these precious metals, maybe that's something that that interests you, something that we can go in there as well. Um, and then, you know, some of these other commodities I'm going to be looking into. I think that nuclear is the way of the future, but, you know, I think we're still a long way away from that actually occurring. So, um, you know, maybe that's something I start to look into a little bit more. Um, and then obviously in the short term, some of these like oil stocks, I think are, are going to be doing pretty well. So, um, you know, I've been talking to myself here for a little over 20 minutes. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, a little bit of an opinion um, kind of what my overall thoughts are on the market. Uh, and if you have any questions, you know, feel free to reach out. Uh, maybe I can kind of do a little bit more of these mini episodes where I kind of talk and just let some of my thoughts out and uh, not have a guest. Uh, let me know what you guys think. And if you guys like it, uh, obviously, you know, tweet at me at green candle, it, uh, leave comments in the YouTube. Uh, just let me know what you think overall solo rip. Um, I really enjoyed it. I I've been running around, so thanks for bearing with me and, uh, you know, uh, putting this out a little bit later than normal, but, uh, as always like subscribe, share, follow me at green candle it on Twitter and yeah, uh, subscribe to everything and, uh, hope to talk to you guys again soon. I'm out.